0: a glorious church and that's what God birthed, a glorious church, but I'm going to begin with (coughs) a question for you this morning, are you a daring believer? You see, and I'm going to put a little description on it because you may think, is that Liz? That's Pastor Amy's stylist. She's the woman right there. She makes my woman look awesome. And uh, she's downtown Allentown. On <laughs> And listen, if you need an excuse to go see her, there is a donut shop. <laughs> What's the name of the shop? Mary Ann's. In walking distance, if you have a guilty pleasure for donuts, all right, enough with the plugs already. <laughs> you know, we think of ourselves as being bold, as being able to, you know, I can do things, I'm, I'm bold, but have you ever wondered how much bravado is really in the church today? Is left in the church today? Because if I'm honest, we're asleep at the wheel. And and we're as churches go. I know that we're alive and active, and and so I don't. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty this morning, um, but I am asking you to do a real assessment of how much bravado you got. If you don't know what that word means, obviously it's based on the word bravery, or brave. Do you have? Are you a brave believer? are you willing to get in people's face and speak the truth by and large the church is asleep at the wheel i have a few heroes of the faith some of them this one many of you or most of you have not heard of his name is mark buntane he served the lord in calcutta india for the bulk of his life they started a hospital. They they served the people on the streets that could not afford medical uh, services, and it was sorely lacking to begin with there. And he passed away. I think it was in the early '80s. Um, but his wife Hulda continued to serve the Lord there in Kolkata, traveling the nation. In her 80s, she was in this building uh, in my time here as pastor. In her 80s, still serving God, still helping people who were lost and poor and needed help. I appreciate men and women who are not particularly bowled over by the religious establishment. That want their name in lights and people to recognize them in that regard. Those who... Uh, dare to touch the world i wonder if i'm looking at some that are willing and 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 daring enough to touch the world around you as i read the gospels the new testament it becomes apparent at least to my thinking that the church should touch every segment of society of our multicolored, many-leveled society. It should impact the poor, the sick, the indigent, the oppressed, the lonely, the imprisoned, the hurting. And I'm not done there because we should touch the wealthy, those who have no need of anything except Jesus. We've got to touch the whole of the society around us. I'm asking myself as a pastor, even now, on the brink of turning 62 years of age, am I willing to be a spiritual Captain Kirk? (laughs) (laughs) Boldly going where no one has gone before. Or just happy to sit here till I retire saying I've done a good work. Thinking that when I get into heaven, The Lord's going to say, well done. Well, I'm expecting Him to say, well done, but it's not because I'm going to sit until I retire if that happens. I'm expecting to be raptured, not retired. The early church did this. They stirred up the world around them. They were daring. They were bold. They did things. I want you to think about this for a minute. Because most of you know how the New Testament church, how it started, you know. The upper room, they come out of the upper room, been filled with the Holy Ghost. And that was, the whole city knew something had happened that day. And on that very day, Peter and the other disciples, they baptized 3,000 people at least. 3,000 people. We baptized three people. I don't know how it happened. I, I'm certain of this. I know it wasn't just Peter and John and the, the 12. I know it wasn't. Because we're talking about 3,000 people. And they were appointed it, 120. You're in the upper room. All right, get out here and help us out. That changed everything. The whole of Jerusalem was changed in that moment. Because of what God did in that upper room. And, and, and I want you to think about this for a minute. They had no script. They didn't have a script. There was no one that went before them. Now listen, when this church starts, it's not like Jesus before he left. Now listen, something's about to happen, boys. And uh, Peter, you're going to be in charge. And uh, you know, by the way, James, my brother, my, my half-brother, he's going to help you out a bit. And you're going to be in this department. You're going to serve in that. I want you on this committee. There was nobody like that. They had none of that. No script to follow. All they had was the Holy Ghost. And here's what happens, folks. And if you're going to take notes, it's going to be tough for you today. But, but I, I, I'm going to take you to the scriptures. And by the way, I wrote this message before we went away. Pastor Amy and I had an amazing week away in a glorious place that we love being in. The peace and the quiet is phenomenal. It's so totally not Allentown, Bethlehem, Easton. It's the complete opposite. You have to hunt people to find them. And, and, um, but, but I, I started this message in the middle of our time of prayer and fasting. You know, that happened just before we left a couple weeks ago. And, and I, I was feeling a bit bold and daring as I'm praying because I start praying big prayers. When I get into prayer and fasting, my expectations rise, even though they're always up there according to what most of you would think, but, but they rise even higher. What territory, what greater distance, what bigger things can we do for the kingdom of God? I'm wondering if I have any other bold believers ready to march on the devil's turf Amen. to do as Pastor Kerry said, put their foot. I put this big old 12 and a half on his foot, on his neck, excuse me. Take back what he's stolen. I've had enough of his mess. I want him fearful and I want him shimmering whenever he hears my name. You do enough prayer and fasting, you'll start talking that same language. Look at this passage from Acts 4 verse 32. All the believers were united in heart and mind and they felt that what they owned was not their own. Oh my goodness. What they owned was not their own. That's how they felt. So they shared everything they had. How much did they share? The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon a couple of them. God's blessing was on all of them. Let's watch what unfolds here. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. You know what this means? Look at it. Look at it again. Those who owned land and houses, you know what that means? It means some people didn't own land and houses. But the ones who did gave them up. And bring the money to the apostles. I'm going to be receiving an offering at the end of the service. I'm not trying to make any of you nervous, but uh, no, uh, I'm not receiving an offering at the end of the service. For instance, there was Joseph, the one, the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Think about that for a minute. He sells land that he owns and brings the money to the apostles, drops it at their feet. So let me begin. If you're taking notes, Roman number one, sold out. Just write that down. Since the day of Pentecost, the church has grown beyond 5,000 men. That's what the scripture says. It's 5,000 men, which means, because it was a male-oriented society, they didn't even count the women, sorry ladies, and the children. So the church is likely 15,000 plus strong now. And I'm talking about, a. will be generous and say a couple of weeks in. So think about this for a minute. From nothing... Where there was no actual church, no building from nothing. You got the 120 hiding out in a room, and then the Holy Ghost blasts on the scene, and boom, there's an explosion. And so they're at 15,000 plus, from nothing to 15,000 plus. That's a large enough group to draw a good bit of attention, and it did. They had the attention of all of Jerusalem. In fact, for for the bulk of Israel and the surrounding community, if you will, because there were many people there on the day of Pentecost from all over around them. And so, this is the state of the church. And remember, they have no building. They don't have a place to gather. Again, they had no script. <laughs> they just—they're just. They're just trying to do the best they can. And they gather in homes, they gather in fields, they do what they have to do to make church happen. And they don't know. it, It may look a lot like it did in the synagogue, but now everything's different because Jesus, the Messiah, has come. And they've been given a mission. And then an odd thing happens. Peter and John go to the temple. And they heal a guy that was lame from birth. 38 years, I believe the scripture says. He was lame. And they heal him. And when the guy goes shouting around in the temple, they go, whoa, hey, whoa. Whoa. The, the religious establishment said, "Now nah, we don't like this. Yeah, we're not going to let you speak any longer in Jesus' name. Don't bring up his name. Well, Peter and John are saying, just so you guys know, I mean, he did it on the day of Pentecost. He said, just so you guys know, you crucified the Messiah. But don't feel too bad because you were supposed to. And they're like, we're too smart for that, dude. We wouldn't have killed the Messiah. We wouldn't have hung him on a cross. They're the religious establishment. And so they're now telling Peter and John, don't speak in his name anymore. (laughs) You thought it was bad today. There's nothing new. They're telling him, hes they've just healed a man. And they're telling him, don't do that anymore. Or it's okay if you heal people, just don't say it's in Jesus' name. Uh Uh-oh. Sounds like something in church these days. And this is where we get our start today. They say to those religious establishments, they say, should we obey God or you? How do you choke that one down? Well, we want you to obey God, but we also want you to obey us. Because we don't want to hear this anymore. Peter and John basically say, say what you want. We're gonna do what we gotta do. You do what you gotta do, we're gonna do what we have to do. He said to go forth and tell everyone he is the way of salvation so they return to their people they gather for prayer and they recommit themselves to the cause and listen to this verse this is acts 431 now after this prayer the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the holy spirit then they preached the word of god with boldness (laughs) who was in that room it wasn't just 12 disciples gathered in that room there were people already in the room when Peter and John arrived and basically they say okay guys we're back we need to pray some more and what do they pray they pray for more boldness to speak the truth how much more boldness do you need they just stood in front of these religious elite and said should we obey God or you we're going to do what God says do and take it on the chin if, if we have to. I wonder if we have people like that here. And who spoke the word of God with boldness? Do you see that? Then they. Who are they? Look at your neighbor and say, they, they is you. It was all the people. It wasn't just the disciples. It was all of them who were shaken by the power of the Holy Ghost. And they determined they're not sitting still any longer. They're going to be bold for Jesus. So I want you to be clear on something. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is your first right step in getting boldness. If you ain't filled with the Holy Ghost, you need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. I interchange the words. Ghost, spirit, doesn't matter. It means same thing, same person. If you're lacking power and drive, maybe it's time for a refilling. You're just sitting around comfortable in church, not witness witnessed to somebody in six months, two years, ten years. It's time for you to get refilled. And listen to me when I tell you that. Getting refilled isn't about you dancing around the church. Because listen, you can even talk tongues at every church service and every day of your life. But if nobody's changed, nobody's changed because of the power of God in you, then you need a true refilling. You may get energized, you may get pumped up, but until that pumped up takes you outside of these walls and you're able to tell your neighbor, your workmate, your family that Jesus died so they could have eternal life, you got little to nothing. I want you in heaven with me, but I want you to bring a hundred people with you. Because outside of hearing the name of Jesus and knowing that salvation comes through no other name, he's their only hope. So this is the state of the early church, and I want you to understand another truth that comes out of that passage. It's really clear the unity and fellowship becomes a beautiful thing that is the foundation on which God builds this early church. Unity, fellowship. And I'm not saying this just because y'all had a Unity One fellowship gathering here last night. Now I realize the early church is in a what I call a honeymoon stage. Right? It's like the first 50 miles of a long journey with your kids in the car. The honeymoon stage, you know? I mean, it's all good. Modern day, some of y'all are your modern parents. Y'all got tablets and your kids got all kinds of devices they could be occupied on. And even there, that first 50 miles, they're all good. Oh, sure. Here, you can have the big tablet. I'll just use the dad's phone right now. They're all nice, right? Till about 50 miles in. I want to watch mine. Or that candy's mine. That, you know, and as a parent, back in the day when I traveled with my kids, I took kids to Florida. I had a six-year-old and a two-year-old. We didn't have tablets. We didn't have all that stuff. I was listening to Space Jam for 150 miles. <laughs> I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch this guy. I got a two year old in the back of the car Go! I believe I can fly. I could still, I could still sing half of the songs on Space Jam, the, the movie from the track. And you know, when that day you wanted, you wanted, all you wanted is a big plexiglass screen between you and the next seat, the seat. And as long as there wasn't blood on it, you were okay. If I see blood, I'm stopping this car. Church is in this honeymoon phase. One of the greatest power generators in this movement was the unity that they had. They were like-minded in their approach to the cause of Christ, so much so that they were willing to sell their homes and their properties, put it all together so that everybody would be good. We could do this work, and they could concentrate on the work. They became, here, write this down, more concerned about the lost than themselves or their own well-being. They weren't thinking about what I got in my MBA, what I got in my retirement, my IRA. They weren't thinking about that. They sold what would have been their future. Because they were worried more about the future of people who were lost. And that's another thing being filled with the Holy Spirit ought to do in you. Be less concerned about you and more concerned about the lost. They were told to be quiet, but they weren't. Roman numeral number two, selling out is costly. I'll take you back to verses 34 and 35, same chapter there. "There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. That's costly, isn't it? And I want you to dispense with the idea that they had very little. Land was worth just what it is today. Houses were worth what they were for you. It meant just as much as you giving up your house today. Yes, yes, yes. You're thinking that no, these just had to be people that were single, no family ties and stuff. Like no, no, these were real people, real families. This was a serious matter and they were committed to it. This New Testament example wonderfully represents how thoroughly God can change a life. I think about that. I think about my evangelist son-in-law sitting down here on the front pew knowing that he was running and partying on a college campus when God stepped in. God had a different plan. Mine doesn't look that dirty, but it was just the same. God transformed my life. I had a direction. I had a plan. God changed it. Verse 36 introduces us to Barnabas who sells out and later becomes a missionary. Look at this. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. So he travels all the way from the island of Cyprus. Look in the back of your Bible, those of you who actually bring literal paper Bibles, and, and look at Paul's missionary journeys and you'll find Cyprus in there. He travels all the way from Cyprus. He has the right family breeding because he's from the tribe of Levi. The ones who make up the Levites. They're the ones who handle the tabernacle and duties there. But God transforms his life. He sells what he has. He comes and joins the disciples. And he becomes the first missionary with Paul. They appoint them and send them out. So initially it's Paul and Barnabas. Talk about a transformed life. My, one of my former churches, it was the first church where I was a lead pastor in that church. And I was thinking about this when I was reading this passage of scripture that, that we were serving the Lord in that church. And, and my youth pastor at the time, he was actually, he was my age at the time. And so we're both in our early thirties. And, he has a 13-year-old and 11-year-old daughters. And God calls him into ministry. He has to leave everything, built a life, got a life, got a job, everything secure and a home and all of that. And God says, "It's t- I want you in ministry. They're still serving the Lord. Hearts Ablaze Fellowship, Douglas, Pennsylvania. just kind of over there near Pottstown area. Taking up your cross is no small matter. Here's what the Bible says, Matthew 16, 24 and 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Pause there for a moment, take it in. Give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. You'll save it. I know, everything in the scriptures, it's like everything God does, he does it backwards. We want him, uh, okay, I see the supply, Lord, all right, I'll do that. That's just not how he works. He he says, you trust me and I will supply. But you got to take your step first. (laughs) You got to be like Peter stepping out of that boat. If it be you, Lord, bid me to come to you. Well, come on, Peter. This is weird. Oh, wait a minute, I see waves over there. Isn't that the wind blowing? I'm not supposed to be able to stand on. Help! Following Christ at this level is not easy, church. Thank God those early believers were all in. Because if not for their commitment, the gospel would not have spread so quickly. But it did because they were committed. They were unified. They stood together. And, and church, I preach this kind of message because I understand this principle. I'm going to do everything in my power. I'm going to lead you uh, to do everything in our power. But I understand this principle. We're not going to reach the entire Lehigh Valley alone. We're not going to do it alone. If not for their commitment, the gospel would not have spread so quickly. But the, But I want you to I want to erase that perfect picture of the church from your head. They were, not everybody was on board. Not everybody. They they just weren't all on board. They didn't like how things were going. They have a discrepancy in chapter 6 of Acts. But before that, (laughs) you ever hear the name Ananias and Sapphira? Yeah. Yeah. That kind of puts a cramp in their style, doesn't it? Because they bring some, but claim it's all they have to give. And Peter looks at Ananias and said, Why have you conspired to lie to me and the Holy Ghost? He knows what you brought. And now so do I. Blop. He's done. The guys outside are going to drag your body out of here and bury you. That kind of put a chilling effect on the church. Who wants to be in that church? (laughs) Instant judgment. (laughs) Woo! Y'all can have that one. Here's the problem. In every church there are people. That's the problem. <laughs> the people, they're just like you. And you have good days and you have not so good days. There are days that you're all calm and confident and got all the time in the world. And we were away on vacation and I'm driving down roadways and I got people up my butt. You know what that means, y'all that drive. Just right in your back mirror. You're like, I don't care. I'm on vacation. I ain't gotta be there. It's 45 mile an hour speed limit. I'm going 40 miles an hour. That's why they're all up on me. And I just pull over. Go on about your business. There are days when you're like that, but then there are days you're the guy on the bumper. Don't you know I got someplace to be? I ain't on vacation. That's the problem with the church, people. There'd be people that would be selfish people that would be uh, Jacob-like connivers, (laughs) weasels finding their way to manipulate circumstances. There were people like that in the early church because there were people in the early church that weren't all good and didn't have it all right and didn't have all the fruit of the Spirit yet. So it's costly, but the benefits outweigh the cost. I, I don't want to flip the scripture just yet. Yeah, selling out is costly, but it, and, and it's no guarantee for the good life. I have to tell you that. I mean, Because I, I, I think I can safely say, I sold out for the Lord. I mean, my family is in Florida, still in Florida. That whole area that got messed up with hurricanes, that's where I was born and raised. And... Of all hurricanes, your son's name, you know, I, what's, what's that about? <laughs> anyway, uh, and, and so I sold out. All of my family, everything that was familiar to me, hunting and fishing. Fishing in Florida, people, come on. If you love fishing, Florida. But God said, no, I, I need you here. And by here, he means literally here. So your road that you may walk could be marked with some hardship. It really could. I know I got biblical proof because John sixteen 33, I've told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Yeah. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. It says... You will have, not you may have. It says you will have because you're amongst people. And because people are people, sometimes you're going to run into trouble with those people that say they love God. Some of them really love God. But thank God that scripture doesn't end there. But take heart, Jesus says. This is Jesus talking. Because I have overcome the world. This is before the cross. Jesus is speaking, looking at the future, saying, take heart. You're going to have some troubles. If you really sell out to me, listen to me. If you really sell out to Jesus, there's going to be some people that look at you and say, you are a full-on nutcase. And you have to be willing to manage that. Most of those new believers had to leave their home in Jerusalem. It wasn't easy. All of them didn't, but most of them did. Whatever the cost, the benefits far outweigh them, though. Amen. Why? Because of John 10.10. 10. You can quote this one. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose... Jesus is talking again, is to give them a life, them a rich and satisfying life. How many of you would like to have that? A rich and satisfying life. That's not just talking about physical riches. He does that. He blesses that way. Pastor McKay was trying to tell y'all how to get that way. I heard her. I was in my office, but I heard her. A satisfying life. That's what I want. I don't, you know, having things is great. I love things. I got a few of them. Got a few more since Pastor's Appreciation. (laughs) It was awesome. I used most of the stuff that was given to me while I was away this past week. Let me explain this to you. When I say to you, whatever the cost, the benefits far outweigh them, first, how can you put a price tag on the eternal? You have the opportunity to transform someone's life for eternity. There's no value you can put on that. Eternal life. Because if, you know, there are people you know, people you contact, people that you're in touch with, that unless you tell them that Jesus is the way, they're going to land in hell. Not for a week, but for eternity. You can't put a price tag on that. I want the rich and satisfying life that I can get only through Jesus Christ. And I want to be bringing that to as many people as I possibly can. But second, I said, first, how can you put a price tag on eternity? If you become a spirit-led follower, you'll experience the life Micah spoke of. And I'm going to tell you, 95% 95 percent of you in this room don't even know this scripture exists so i'm about to blow your mind it's in the word of god and for you today you're going to call this revelation knowledge today look at this verse but ask for me i am filled with power with the spirit of the lord I am filled with justice and strength to boldly declare Israel's sin and rebellion. So what's that mean to you? It means that when you get filled with Holy Spirit, you're filled with the same Spirit He's talking about so that you can boldly declare the truth of God's Word. You can You don't even have to have a title, pastor, reverend, or any other title. Just believer. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. So that you'll have justice and strength flowing through you. Because the Holy Ghost is in you. You can declare the truth of God's word wherever you go. Some of you get real bold talking politics. I want you to get bold talking God's truth. So let me conclude this this morning. God changes. That's what I titled the conclusion. God changes. You, as a spirit-filled believer, can become a world changer. That's changing the world around you because that's what Acts 1-8 talks about, right? You will be filled When when the Holy Spirit comes on, you'll be filled with power. You will have power. You will possess power to transform your local community, the community at large, and the community broad to the uttermost parts of the earth. If you will adopt this lifestyle, people all around you will catch on. Did you catch that? I mean, if you get really filled with the Holy Ghost, filled up with the Holy Spirit, people all around you will catch on. Here's another scripture you didn't know existed. This time from Zechariah. Because you don't spend enough time in the minor prophets. We don't like reading the minor prophets. They're not fun. But I want you to see this. This is now Zechariah 8.23. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. In those days, ten men from different nations... And languages of the world will clutch at the sleeve of one Jew. And they will say, please, let us walk with you. For we have heard that God is with you. I wonder if I'm looking at other people who will have that, who will possess that. That people that know you will say, hey, I've heard That God is with you. So I want to be with you. The more you look like Jesus, the more people will be attracted to you because of the Spirit of God in you. When you walk in power and anointing, people will be attracted to that. They want that. They don't want you and your politics and your... Political message, and you you know, you can talk all kinds of things. Your football stuff. I know y'all worried about it. It's about to start, isn't it? Eagles are about to start. And some of y'all sitting here saying, oh, stop worrying about the Eagles. They're going to win, all right? Have a little faith. I know y'all had a hiccup on Monday. I say y'all because you know I ain't with you. You know I don't want them to win, but they should. We're worrying about all kinds of things. People don't want to worry. Listen, get so full of Jesus that you bubble out Jesus everywhere you go, and and they want that. That's what people want. The beauty that comes from being who Jesus designed you to be. Doors will open to you for people to come to Christ. Christ. Come on, Pastor Mackay, and Carrie, if you're working with her. You know, my greatest joy, my greatest pleasure is being able to pray with people to receive Jesus as Christ and Lord of their lives, Savior of their lives. It's priceless to me. Still the greatest treasure. It moves me still. Doesn't matter how many times i prayed with hundreds and hundreds of people to come to Christ. It still moves me in my spirit. I want us, I say us, I want the church to be marked by our willingness to sell out for Christ. To not be so full of ourselves and our manner, our way, our things, but to sell out to Jesus. Let's be recognized by chasing the things that have eternal value. Did you hear that? That's how I want you to be recognized, by chasing the things that have eternal value. And so I ask you this, this afternoon now, are you ready to become a bold and daring Christian? Let's do this. I want you to bow your head, close your eyes. You're here right now, and just for a moment, don't get up and leave. I know some of you are in a hurry, and you got stuff going on, but... For a moment, just be still while while we let the Holy Spirit deal with this specific area. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Nobody's looking around for a moment. Nobody's chatting with somebody or tapping them on the shoulder. For a minute, if you're here and you're not in a right relationship with the Lord, if, if there's this question mark, if, if Jesus were to rapture his church, come right now, and you wonder... Would you go with him? If maybe you walked with the Lord, but not you've, you've walked away from him, you know you're not ready to be raptured. If that's you and you want to change it right now, come on, lift that hand up right where you're at. Say, I know I need, preacher, I know I need Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you thank you I wonder if you would all stand at this moment and I, I'll come back to you believers in a minute but you, you know that you're, you're wanting Holy Spirit to deal with this first right it's easy to raise your hand with nobody looking around and, but here's the problem I'm talking about being a bold follower of Jesus Christ and most everybody in this room has walked with the Lord or is walking with the Lord now. And they've done what I'm about to ask you to do. If you raised your hand and you mean business with God, I want you to step out of that pew now and walk right down to this altar. Come on, boldly walk down and and you mean business. this is this is eternal matters we're dealing with so so come on don't let anything keep you from getting down here (laughs) glory to god hallelujah praise the lord here's what i want you guys to do with it. thank you for being bold enough willing to step out uh, i pastored in 44 by the way that first church so you say saying wilkes university i'm looking at you and so anyway i want you to pray this prayer with me you mean business with god pray this prayer with me it's got to come from your heart because otherwise it's just words if you don't mean it it doesn't matter so pray I, i'm just going to help you out Y'all can help him out too, right? Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood. I come to you today. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Wipe away my past. Thank you, Jesus. You didn't stay in the grave. Death couldn't keep you. You came out of the grave proving your power over death. And now, because of that, I'm yours. From this moment forward, I'm yours. Amen. Stay right here for just a minute. I'm going to ask you to see that gentleman right there. He's going to walk you right through that door and just get a little information for Because here's the deal. This is like you opened a door and there's a pathway in front of you. This is how we help you get on that pathway. That's all. We're not going to ask for money. We're not going to, we just want your social security card. No, we don't. This is twice today we did No, we don't. But just to help you how, know what's next. All right? So go talk with that gentleman, please. Get your stuff and go over. Now, you believers, you're not off the hook we can talk boldness we can talk Holy Ghost filled we can jump and shout all around this sanctuary but until what I spoke this morning gets into your spirit and it moves you to make a change that this is just a lot of words and a lot of time from your life come on let's make a difference in the community around us Let's make a determination. We're going to walk with Jesus and we're going to transform the community we're a part of. We have a responsibility. I wear it like stripes on my shoulder. I know I have a responsibility. Whatever anybody else thinks, says, or does, I have a responsibility to empower you, to use you, to be used by the Holy Ghost to give you something that moves you outside of these doors he's the one who empowers you it is his work through you that will cause us to transform the community we're a part of how many of you will join me in doing that come on lift those hands up boldly if you can't do it here now you're never going to do it outside of here you say i'm going to do it i'm going to work for the kings the lord of lords Let's sing that. If you can use anything, any, anything, anyone, you can use me.
1: If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Come on, say it.
0: Say the words, you can use anyone.
1: If you can use anyone, Lord, you can use me. Yes, you can. If you can use anyone, Lord, you can use me.
0: Come on, say it. Take my hands.
1: Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart.
0: So, Father, we stand before you, this gathering of believers, some who don't call this their church every Sunday, but are like-minded, Lord. They understand this truth, God. You have given us eternal life. It is a privilege to share that with others, Lord. So give us the courage, the strength, To not be bound up by what we've heard people saying, even on job sites and places where they've told us, we can't talk, you can talk anything about anyone, any situation, but not Jesus. Lord, help us to change that narrative so that we can talk about you and willing to talk about you, even if it means being ridiculed or disliked, even disowned. Help us to become the kind of bold believers that are are an irritation in the enemy's eyes, Satan's eyes, that he despises when we come around because we won't shut up. We'll be like Peter and John and say, should we obey God or you? We're going to obey God. You do what you want. God, help us to be those kinds of believers share the good news of Jesus wherever we go. I pray this in your precious name, Lord. Amen. Amen. I love you folks. It's been such a joy to be with you today.